Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock. I'm host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. I'm excited to have Vanessa... Elias, uh, founder of Thrive with a Guide. She's a mental health activist, certified parenting coach, speaker, and writer, specializing in whole family synergy and well-being. I love that. Mm-hmm. Elias is the uh, has the coolest job. She works with parents to find ways to improve their the life of their children, uh, the, their lives, and the lives of their families as a whole. That sounds pretty perfect for this podcast. She helps parents shift their lens, translate their children's behaviors, and take actionable steps to change life in their homes. Vanessa and her husband have three daughters currently in college, high school, and middle school. That's a nice stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she was born in Germany. This is really interesting. She was born in Germany, Germany, grew up in the U.S., and raised her children in Utah, London, and Zurich. This is very exciting. Before moving to Connecticut in 2013, having experienced very different parenting environments, Vanessa is acutely aware of how a region's parenting culture affects children's emotional well-being. Vanessa, I am so excited to talk to you. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on and welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me here. And I love that you think I have a cool job because I think <laughs> yeah. I feel really fortunate to do what I do. So thank so you. I, I always ask my guests, if you were to describe your parenting style, just give mm-hmm. me a quick answer on like, you know, what do you, how do you, I mean, there's so many styles, right? There's uh, mm-hmm. free range, there's hovering, there's helicopter. What, what do you, how do you define your parenting style? Uh, I would guess I would say adaptive. <laughs> that would be sure. the biggest way, easiest way to describe it. Uh, our kids all have different needs. Different situations have different needs. Um, and also through my experience of living in different cultures, your culture has different impacts on you. So yeah. it's just flexible and adaptable. I really love that. I love that that's actually, a pr- like I said, in when I was introducing you, um, that is a perfect fit for this uh, this podcast and, and what I really urge parents to do. Um, and I, I, I feel very uncomfortable with our culture that tells us there is a right way to parent and a wrong way to parent. So mm-hmm. I love this word adaptive. I don't think I've been able, I feel that I too, and, a, and a, 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 am an adaptive parent and I've never been able to find the word. So I appreciate that because I will, I will steal that. I will now <laughs> call myself an adaptive parent. I want to talk about um, what you do. You help parents transform their lives really do that. Look at each child, mm-hmm. look at, at the needs of each child, their own needs, their family's needs. Tell us exactly what that involves. Oh, it's really, it's just, it's personalized parent education is what I call it. And there are some things that are the same in all families because, and because we're humans and our biggest need is to feel seen and loved for who we are so that we feel lovable as we are. And parents have that tremendous um, impact or potential opportunity with their children to see them and hear them and love them as they are. And we all want that. That's something we all want. And so I love my work. I, my kids, um, the parents um, that I work with, their kids are anywhere between the ages of three and 44. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've worked with some parents who are also grandparents. Um, but looking, it's all about relationships, connection, and communication. That's what it boils down to. And every situation is different. Every house is different. Um, the dynamics of a family, though, are all connected. I always um, liken it to a mobile hanging above a crib. Like you move one of those pieces and the whole thing moves. So we are all connected. There is just no way to avoid that. 
So a lot of times parents feel powerless, but if they know that they make changes and they respond differently, that makes changes in the the mobile. So what type of parent do you find seeks out your help the most? Is is there a type maybe, you know, do you find that parents seek out your your help because they have trouble letting go, for instance, they have trouble um, adapting to their children getting older? What is the, maybe there isn't, but what is that thing? I don't, I think it's just anyone that's struggling. Um, or I like to say, if I'm a parent, I can help you because everybody is in a different situation. So it's someone that's actually what, what I think the people that reach out to me are the ones that are really, um, ready to be vulnerable and make change. Um, because there are a lot of people who are people who are struggling, but they don't take that extra step to make change. And so people that I work with know that what they're doing isn't working. Basically, that's the, I guess that would be the short way to put it. You know, I think I sometimes feel like these questions are a little overgeneralized, but I do want to know, like, what would you say you're, you know, you have this incredible experience of working with probably all sorts of different people, different parenting styles, different kids. But if there was one thing that you think parents are doing wrong, right? And Mm -hmm. I I suspect you kind of avoid that word. Um, I do. But I feel like, and it's, and again, maybe that's a bad question because the whole point of this is that we should be appreciating different styles um, of parenting. But if there's one thing that you think you wish parents would sort of, I mean, is it like relax? Is it sort of um, Mm. trust your instincts? I think just in this culture, what are you seeing as, as more of the consistent, maybe a consistent problem? Absolutely. I think that one of the consistent things I see are parents not having their own lives and parents not taking care of themselves. Hmm. Um, we live in a really martyred um, culture where moms especially give everything to their children, to their jobs, volunteer work, and they're depleted. And, you know, we've all heard the oxygen mask on you first, um, but we don't we don't practice it. Um, because if you're not okay, your kids aren't going to be okay. And if you aren't, well, like, is there life and joy in your life? outside of your children. Um, You know, I think the pendulum has swung so far. I think a lot of kids, like I think of it in sports as an example, a lot of kids participated in sports and their parents didn't come to games Um, and they felt hurt and neglected. Well, we've, the pendulum has swung and we go to every game, rain or thunder or what, you know, it's, it's, sacrificing everything else, right? Sacrificing our own lives, our own social engagements. And so I think that's a really, um, that's an all pervasive thing is that feeling, and that also puts extra pressure on the kids, right? If you, if your child is your whole life, that's extra pressure on the children to, to perform and to be okay. So I think that would be the, you know, have your own life. Yeah. I just want to warn you that my uh, someone came to my door and rang the doorbell and my dog is like going a little nuts. So <laughs> if you hear that, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, you know, this is really interesting. It's funny that I'm sitting here asking you like, you know, think like, what is the best way to parent? And it's very interesting to me that your answer was parents need to do a better job of taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. That is something we don't hear a lot of. And you're absolutely right. There has been a, like, we fetishize motherhood now and parenting mm-hmm. in general. And we've made it, you know, that if you don't do everything for your child or, or attend every event or this or that, it's the end of the world. And so there is that, but I also think that there's an interesting, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on the, the role of fear 
in Mm. parenting. And I think that is one of the most powerful elements um, that parents have to deal with is uh, not only fear that your child will be hurt, you know, but fear is very, very lucrative. We see this in food marketing. We see this in, um, you know, sort of the, the safety world out there. Tell us about the ro- role of, of fear and if that's something you sometimes deal with when you're consulting with these parents. Oh, all the time. All the time. Fear is present for a number of different reasons. Not only it's like, you know, as Lenore Skenazy always talks about the the faces on the milk carton um, in terms of physical safety, but fear um, for the future, Um, fear for what may be, and also fear of judgment, that somehow it's going to come back to you that you are the one because your kid didn't do X, Y, or Z. It's fear of judgment. And that is, that's a general problem that we have, right? The whole like being canceled and, um, you yeah. know, fear, fear of judgment is huge. It's, it's the, it's the old keeping up with the Joneses too. Like, you know, oh, she's got Timmy and soccer, baseball, and he plays the cello and he does. Yeah. And it's like that fear that like, I'm not doing enough for my kids. So they're not going to like have exactly. a productive life. Exactly. And then, and then exactly. There's just, and, and so stepping back from our culture, that's where I feel like I'm so lucky of to have lived in different cultures of different ways of raising children and being and living in the world is that you can see that this is not the way this is everywhere. And you can see the impact on our kids. Um, and also it's just not good for us to be fearful all the time. I always say like, don't live it twice. Uh, I just had a session yesterday where I was saying that too. They were worried about like their 20 something year old, like never be able to have a job and won't succeed in life. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just stay in the moment here. Let's this, that may never even come true. Don't never mind the fact that you're, you're living it twice. So let's talk, you mentioned, you know, this culture isn't the same in other countries and that your yeah. experience, let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, you personally were raised, is that right? Did I read that? off. I think so you're born raised- in the U.S. Yes. Uh, born in, sorry, born in Germany. Right. I uh, moved to the U.S. when I was two. My mom's German. My dad's American. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny. I have um, the, the president of IWF actually lives in Germany on and off. And mm-hmm. she has this, you know, it's interesting in Germany, there's much more of an embrace of the free range mo- movement. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and then she comes back to the U.S. and suddenly her kids don't have that freedom. Oh. Um, and I hear a lot from her about that, which is really fascinating. But tell us your experience and how that's sort of how living abroad and living in, in more free range friendly areas have shaped your philosophy of parenting. Absolutely. I think um, I've I've lived in London three times and two of them with the kids and I think it's very similar to the U.S. in a lot of its ways. Um, But the difference that I saw was regarding mothering and being a mother. And this, they looked at me in horror that I was going to manage three kids all on my own without anyone helping to do anything, you know, help like take a kid to an activity, right? This whole idea of running myself ragged, which I think so many moms do, like we run ourselves to the ground, like, you know, doing everything. And, and going out and having coffees and, and getting together with friends was like a whole new world to me that that was, that was the norm. Yeah. So that was really good for me as, as a mom. And then, um, Switzerland was, you know, a whole different, whole different reality. I remember when I first moved there being in shock when I saw a kid with a broken arm, because I thought I, my first thought was, oh, I didn't know they had those anymore. (laughs) 
Right, right. Like you just don't see it. And then there'd be like a broken leg and a kid with a concussion falling out of a tree. And like, it was just like part of life. It's just what, there was no crisis. It was just. You know, it's so funny. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories was um, my, m- the president of IWF, Carrie, she was living over in Germany and they have these beer gardens mm-hmm. that have playgrounds. Yep. And can you imagine in the US? So they're, and they have these like insane tall structures, right? And her son fell off. And I think he, I think he broke his arm, if I'm remembering right. And it was so fascinating because she said they brought him over or, you know, when they went to pick him up, like his arm had been wrapped and they're like, yeah, sorry, he might have broken his arm. And like the expectation was like her going, okay, thanks. And then like walking away. Exactly. And, 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 and then like it was broken and there was no follow up. Can you imagine the lawsuits? Totally. Can you imagine the hysteria? Liability right? is a huge factor in, in our culture. And it's really shaped us in so many ways that we don't realize when I, I, I tell the story of when we moved back to the, we experienced a big culture shock coming back to the U S after six years abroad. And it was just, you know, I had told my daughter to, I don't remember, you know, I still use the be careful, um, you know, be mindful. I should say, you know, when you're on the monkey bar, she was in preschool. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it might be slippery, uh, with your mittens on and the teacher said, oh no, 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 we don't wear mittens, um, on monkey bars. And, oh no, we're not allowed to go on that. If it's cold outside, you can't go at that. I'm like, what the heck? Like, how would you have any fun? Right. Right. Um, It's funny too. It's funny too. Like the nurses who call you and, and for everything, like, that's another thing that I've heard, you know, Carrie's like literally uh, like it had to be like spurting blood for mm-hmm. the German schools to call you where here in the United States, they're like, he skinned his knee and you're like, I don't care. I'm in a meeting. Right. So. Yep. And that goes back to, that's how the liability culture has shaped us. There's just, you know, that's, that's a, a real challenge. And there's, you know, there's also, I think in the food world too, um, this idea you know, I remember having a conversation with a friend um, and she was very worked up that her daughter would not eat vegetables mm-hmm. and very concerned. Right. And she said that, you know, she, um, <laughs> you know, and she'd read, you know, you have to present a food 20 times before a child. And mm-hmm. I, I remember just thinking like, okay, I'm way too poor for that because, because <laughs> the guidance is like, don't ever push them. Just mm-hmm. keep presenting it. And, keep, and mm-hmm. if they don't touch it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Okay, first of all, my mother would kill me if I had ever left something. And so I, jo- of course, I was joking, but I was like, did you try yelling at her? Right. And my friend was like, oh, you're not supposed to yell. Right. And so it's interesting too, I think, because my instincts, you know, when that happened with my kids, I was like, you're not getting up from the table until you have like at least one bite. Right. <laughs> or I'm, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to play with your Legos tonight. If you don't like, I'm, I, I kind of parent like my mom, my mom parented. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to me that she didn't even, cause she admitted that, um, that like, Oh yeah, I, I guess I should. Or like, I guess I should be a little bit more firm with her or something. And it was interesting. Cause she's like, and my mother would have been, and she totally denied her instincts mm-hmm. and instead like read a million things on how to get a kid to eat a carrot. Right. Tell me a little bit about, along with fear, along with litigation, along with our culture, how parents are increasingly denying their own instincts and, and, and us and, and like rejecting maybe what their own parents did. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenging one. And there's always a fine line between, is it instincts or is it habits? Is it what you've seen and know? So it seems familiar, right? And you, or you don't know another way. 
um, you know, how, how to go about doing this. I, I know that every family is different and we all have real, like, I know what works for my family. Um, I know our rule was that you had to have something and you had to try it. You had to chew it. And if you, but you didn't have to swallow it. Like you could spit it out if you didn't like it, yeah. but I didn't make, I'm really sensitive. Also, there has been a huge uptick in eating disorders yes. in both boys and girls. Yes. And so I'm really sensitive to issues of control with food, yeah. um, and using it as a punishment and valuing one food as good food and bad food. Yes. Like the whole other, you know, all foods fit. Um, and, and so, you know, sometimes foods and always foods. So the, the food is especially a challenge. Um, and there's, that's a whole other area of judgment. As I well. know you'll have to come back. It's a yeah. whole nother, I always say it's a whole other Oprah show. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think there's just, I think it's approaching it with curiosity. You know, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel that's not okay? Why do I, you know, just, and you don't need to spend a lot of time on it. It's not like a whole, you know, dissertation that you need to, to work on trying a carrot, but also role modeling is key. Like we don't really, like if you're eating carrots and you're eating vegetables and it's part of your family meal, that's, what's powerful. Yeah. Right. That's what you're, you're showing. Um, and also it's like tiny little things, you know, a big deal. So they don't care. I don't know. Like- yeah, Exactly. You got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, I yeah, I remember when my my son was still still had his passy at I think he was two and a half, and someone was very worried, and I was like, he's not gonna go to prom with his passy. Like, and I was super. I actually was very laid back about a lot of that stuff because Mm -hmm. I just didn't think it was true, and I think Mm -hmm. I just always thought kids will grow out of it. And I also, I am a firm believer in doing what's easiest um, in, in many ways. And if your child, one, one of my, you know, met, my other children didn't, weren't reliant on their passies as much as my middle child. Um, and I just kind of, I was very Zen about things. Not that I wasn't worried about a million other things, but I, on some things, I just didn't make it a big deal. And I, I sort of wish, you know, I, that's my goal um, with this podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I talk about parenting is, you know, I hate, I hate the phrase like give grace, but there is so little grace given to parents these days. I feel like there is definitely this sense of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we can talk more on that, but I, I want to pivot a little bit and ask you, you know, you help parents, you help parents figure out the best way to deal with individual children. And mm-hmm. also you, that word synergy was in your bio, right? Mm-hmm. Was it synergy? Mm-hmm. I think was such a great word because you have, yes, you have different kids, but ultimately you all live in the same house. And so figuring that out, but I, I'd like to, to touch on that, but also if we can, I, what has your business been like post COVID? Have oh, you, <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed an uptick, but yeah. I'd love your thoughts on you know, we don't have to get into like, you know, school closures, masking. We don't talk about that. I just, and learning loss. These are all things that are, we are all concerned about, but how, how did your business change and how did your perspective change post COVID? Well, honestly, I felt like people were finally talking about what I'd already been seeing and dealing with for years. So, I mean, COVID really put the kids' mental health and, and, family struggles and some of these issues that we were having um, on the forefront. Um, COVID put gasoline on a crisis. I mean, that's really, it just inflamed it. So it was already, a lot of us were already feeling really concerned about the number of kids who were struggling um, and the younger age of the kids who were struggling. Um, And so COVID really added to that. And 
I think one of the things, you know, we always talk about this lost learning. The entire world had this, okay? It's not like just, you know, one state or one thing. Right. Higher world did we all suffered this and what we never we are not never what we rarely talk about is the lost social and emotional learning they had the lost learning how to navigate friendships yeah. and you know not like to be able to be in real life where you can't you don't have to script what you're saying in a text or in a you know well snapchat they don't really write but you know all these things of being able to have face-to-face interactions right those are a lot of things that these kids have lost and and they're struggling because of it um, yeah. in all sorts of ways. Yes. And, and, and it's interesting how I, you know, I take my kids to school. I drive my kids to school cause their school is a little bit further away, but we pass a bus stop every morning filled with kids who don't speak to each other. It's oh. probably 15 kids yeah. and they're all, and their hair is all on their faces and they're all looking at their phones. Yeah. Um, the, I, I, I would love to get your thoughts on technology. Um, I'm very strict with my kids. It's funny because I, I always identify myself as a free range kid, a free range mom. I'm a devotee of Lenore Skenazy. Yeah. I know you had mentioned her and you're friends with Lenore as well. Um, and we both appreciate what she does, but I'm, I tend to be, I am super authoritarian when it comes to tech and I love your thoughts. That's bingo. Okay. First of all, that is like their blankie, right? They're anytime anyone's uncomfortable, yes. they go right to it, right? It yes. gives them comfort. It's a distraction. Number one. And the other thing, when you asked me like a, a thing about all parents in general, what would be the one thing besides not taking them care of themselves, they're controlling the wrong things. That is the biggest thing. They're controlling the grades. They're looking at, you know, they're controlling the carrots on the plate. They're controlling this and controlling that, but they need to control bedtime. Um, They need to control technology. They need to get right. Those are there. That's basically how I feel is that we're not controlling. You know, my, I have a middle schooler. We had the wait until eighth plan um, going and then COVID hit. And so she had a phone earlier and she's my third and we had a phone earlier so I allow her now to have, she's 13, almost 14. She has Snapchat, she has TikTok, but she has a 20 minute limit daily on each of those things. Nice. So I put those, so it's, she's still connected, right? She still knows what's going on, but it's not sucking the life out of her, right? It's, it's not even just what happens on there. It's what she's not doing if she's on there, right? We're so focused on, I mean, definitely I have a whole thought on what they're doing on there what happens on there, but it's also the rest of their life that, you know, the rest of the day they're missing out. Cause yeah. Anyway. And that happens for older kids too. My daughter, I have to say my, my senior in high school, they did something in statistics class. They looked at their sleep and their screen time. One kid had 13 hours of screen time and three hours of sleep. So right there, those are the two things um, as well as the opportunities for free play. I mean, yeah. A big one. That's how to work upstream, right? Let these yeah. kids have free play. I'd like you to close on a little bit of talk about free play. Why is it important? Uh, free play is so um, important for this. I, it's back to this control in many ways. It's this internal locus of control that our kids don't have. And when you don't have that, when you feel powerless, of course you're depressed, right? The world is happening to you and around you. So they get shuttled to soccer practice or the coach tells you something and they get, and you know, from one thing to another, I'm not just picking on sports. It sure happens in other things, but also happens in other things, but it's so important for them to learn how to get their needs met with another person without losing a playmate, without having the pressure 
that, you know, sports used to be, here I go back to sports, used to be uh, a relief of pressure. Now it's an yeah. act of pressure. So having free play and also helps us work upstream to, to sort of paraphrase Des- Desmond Tutu is, you know, we keep trying to save these riv- kids from the river, pulling them out. What's happening upstream? So play is something that's missing. So the more play we can put in, um, you know, make opportunities for that, make it a priority, um, the better off our kids are going to be from falling in stream and not falling in stream, I should say. Well, listen, I could go on and on and on. And I'd, I'd really like for you to come back and talk to me. I think I'd love to talk to you further about tech. I'd love to talk to you further about free play. I think each of those topics deserve um, their own separate uh, mm-hmm. podcast. This was a great introduction to you, though, <laughs> um, you. and and your work. Tell us where, tell the listeners where they can find you um, and hire you. Gosh, I want you to, I want you to come over right now. But um, but tell tell us where you're sort of out there writing yeah. and, and my uh, and my business name is Thrive with a Guide. Um, so I'm on social, all the various social medias, except not yet. TikTok. Um, Are you on Twitter? Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. Yep. So What's your handle? Do you know? Ride with a guide. Um, oh, great. Minus the, there's, it doesn't all fit. So W underscore. Um, uh, yeah, that doesn't hit. fit. Okay. But, um, yeah, follow me on each of those, um, social media platforms and connect and, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm very passionate about this. So, well, I can tell, I can tell it is a subject, um, that I care about as well. And honestly, your thrive with a guide, um, the guidance that you are giving parents is exactly the the mission of this this podcast mm-hmm. to really encourage parents to craft a parenting style mm-hmm. uh, that works for them. So I really look forward to talking to you further. This was great. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much.